Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. I know you don't know me, okay? But can I ask you a favor today? Can I ask you to grant me some trust? Because I, I want to share with you some stuff that I personally believe can change you and grow you if you let it. However, however, often I've noticed that what I'll be discussing here today can seem difficult, particularly for those of you who are sort of new to this whole thing called God, Jesus, or the local church. And here's the reason. Because today, what I'm talking about goes against the tendency that we have as humans to be self-focused as a culture, as a society, as a people group. For, for example, recently um, I, I, I did a Google search on the concept of, of self-centeredness or self-focus. And did you know this? There are 577 million sites that came up when I looked up that idea. Right across the street from where I live in Orange County, in the Newport Mesa area, it goes to Mesa, Newport Beach, there's a library. So I went over there to see what articles I could find on self-centeredness or self-focus. And I was surprised to find that over 30 different topics, just under, just under the category of self, like the, the, there was self-actualization, self-analysis, self-assertion, self-awareness, self-confidence, self-control, self-defense, self-determination, self-development, self-discovery, self-enrichment, self-esteem, self-expression, self-fulfillment, self-help, self-identity, self-image, self-improvement, self-indulgence, self-love, self-realization, self-reliance, self-respect. And I'm not even going to keep going, okay? That's enough. We, you and me, are a very self-conscious culture or people group. We as people are quite preoccupied with ourselves. Now at LifePoint, what I love about this church is we believe strongly in the Bible. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. In the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only, say it. What's the word? Only what? Themselves, themselves and their, say it. Money. They will love only themselves and their money. Ever met anybody like that? Now, in college, I learned that there were three forms of self-expression for human beings like us in a class I took. One of them is individualism. Individualism says others don't matter. Now, now, now none of us would ever say that out loud. But we will say, I got to do what's best for me. That's right. You've heard the line. You've said the line. i got to do what's best for me. The model these days is do your own thing. In fact, let me ask you a question along these lines. Do you think people in our society these days are becoming increasingly more considerate or increasingly more rude? Are people becoming more considerate or more rude? Which one? Rude. That's right. For, for, and what's behind that? Individualism. The thought is other people at the core don't matter. They don't really matter. Number two form of self-expression is secularism. Secularism. And that is that God doesn't matter. Now, I, I have discovered that most people, it's not, it's not that they don't believe in God. It's just that they don't think God is relevant. Most people these days don't deny that God exists. It's just that they really aren't all that interested in him. They ignore him. They basically say, I don't need God. In fact, a guy named Job wrote it this way in a book that bears his name. In Job chapter 21, it says, The wicked tell God to leave them alone. The wicked tell God to leave them alone. They don't, they don't want to know his will for their lives. They basically are saying, God, you stay on your side of the fence, and, 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 and I'll stay on mine. In other words, you don't bother me, and I won't bother you. You handle the world, and I'll take care of 
my life. Secularism, individualism. One says, I don't need God. The other says, I don't need people. All I need is me, and I don't want anyone, anyone to cramp my style. Individualism, secularism. The third thing I learned in college in forms of self-expression is narcissism. Narcissism says all that matters is me. Now, when I use the word narcissism, I'm not talking about the clinical diagnosis, okay? I'm, I'm using it more as a descriptor. See, the, the trend is in us as humans to say all that I'm interested in is my goals, my dreams, my desires, my, my self-fulfillment, my happiness, my career, and nothing else matters. Everything gets evaluated by the phrase, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? We live in a live-for-yourself society. Do your own thing. And by the way, the idea that all that matters is me, it starts really early on for us as people. Think about it with me, right? One of the most amazing developments in the lives of human beings like you and me is when we say our first words. As young parents, I, I, I was one once, okay? We want our kids to so badly speak their first words, so we try to accelerate the process, do we not? Some parents, not that I ever did, but some parents, they will try to coach their kids to make sure their first words are mommy or daddy, right? It wasn't really a big deal to me, but come to think of it, our kids were smart. They said the word, daddy, first, okay? Okay, <laughs> daddy. However, right after the words mommy or daddy, kids learn their next word, which is the word, anyone? No, you know this, okay? Psychologists tell us that this is a very important word. Why? Because it helps the child to individuate. To assert his or her own sense of self-autonomy, right? Psychologists say that this, this is a good stage, the no stage. Although most psychologists who say this, they've never had a small child of their own, okay? <laughs> now, right around this time, kids pick up another word, and they'll use that word a lot. Like when somebody wants to play with one of their toys, when somebody might want to taste some of their food. They will say this word, and it becomes a favorite word. And, of course, this word is what? Mine, my, my toys, my stuff, my food, my room, mine. And this form of self-expression is embedded in us. All of us. From the earliest of our days. And dare I say it? Most people go to their graves. And it's still your favorite word. Sure, you, you, you may not say it out loud, but it defines who you are. It's on your wallet. It's on your house. It's on your car. It's on your checkbook. It, it, it's on your life. Mine. Well, today, as we kick off this series, we are discussing the opposite. Yours. Or practically speaking, the idea of generous living. And generous living is tough for us as human beings. It really is. And it's all because of the focus on me and mine since our earliest of days on this planet. Because the truth about us as human beings, I'm just going to tell you the truth right now, ultimately the day will come when you will say one of two things to God. Either you will say, yours, God, everything I am and everything I own, it's yours. Or you will say, Mine, God, 
and I give you none of it, or just a very, very, very little bit of it, because it's mine. The day will come where you will either say, mine, God, it's all mine, or you will say, yours, God, it's yours. And today, I'm not going to hide the, the f- final chapter of this. Yeah, I would love it if you would, by the end of this message, say, it's yours. It's yours, God. My treasure is yours. And I commit to generous, generously give back a portion of it consistently and faithfully to you. Now, today for sure, I, yeah, I want you to have a want to, a desire to, a willingness to. But I'm going to challenge you today to go beyond the I want to or am willing to to before you walk away from this campus to say, I'm going to. And I thought the best way for me to discuss this was to share with you something that happened with me with a high school kid in the church that I founded some 35 years ago. Okay, And it was about uh, two and a half years, two years before I handed off the reins to a, a, a younger man. By the way, my wife and I, I didn't want to be the old guy who overstayed. I wanted to be out by the time I was 60. I wanted to be giving my life back for the next 30 years to young men and women who are starting brand new churches, like the people that poured into me, 65 now. And so I just want to keep doing this until I'm 95. And so the reality is, the reality is, I'm, I'm no longer an official pastor. Today, I'm one of you. I'm an attendee of the church. Uh, the church, literally, I, I attend, I give, I serve. I have no leadership responsibilities whatsoever. And yet, my wife and I, we continue to be generous. So, so right now, here's the reality. I'm not talking to you today from a pastor's perspective. I'm talking to you today as somebody who personally knows Jesus I'm talking to you as a person who Jesus has radically transformed and changed. And so, so what, what I did one time, this, this, this high school kid came up to me and he said to me, he said, Tim, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? And, and when he asked me the question, I said, you know me, I shoot straight. I, yeah, that's just the way I am. You can kind of probably tell that, most of you. I said, go for it. Just ask me the question. He said, okay, hey, does the crossing church, does the crossing church force you to give your money back to the church? He said, I mean, you're the pastor. Do you have to give because you're the pastor? And I started laughing. I said, no, no one forces me to be generous with the finances that God gives. My wife and I, her name is Sue. And then I said, hey, if you'd, be want, if you'd be willing to, I'd love to meet up with you and tell you why I generously give back. And so, so I said, you want to get out together for coffee? And high school kids said, yeah. So a couple of days later, we got together. And I shared with him some things that I, I'm just going to share with you here today. Of why I love to be generous. Because I'm no different than any of you now here today. So why, why do my wife and I love to be generous to the church that we're a part of? Well, the first reason, first reason I generously give is because doing so allows me, allows me to feel better about myself. Remember I said we're self-focused? I am too, okay? And so giving, giving, I let go of the money we have to the church I'm a part of because I just feel better about me. Have you noticed that often our self-worth is tied into our net worth, Right? And the truth is, in this room today, we're adults, most of us. And the word that we continue to struggle with at this age, in this life stage, is the word we learn somewhere around 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, the word mine. The way I see it. People like you and me, you're either givers or takers. And I don't want to be a taker. I don't want any part of being a taker. I want to be a giver. And every time I give, 
I'm mirroring the central characteristic of God himself because God is a giving God. So the real question for you and me on this day is, do I get to get or do I get to give? I've gone through periods in my life where I get to get. I am not proud of that. But in God's economy, it's I get to get. I get to give. And I like myself when I give of my financial treasure of what God's given me back, back to the local church I'm a part of. Another reason, number two, number two, I enjoy being generous. And this is why I shared with the high school kid that day over coffee. I, I generously give because doing so breaks the grip of materialism for me in my life. Hey, now I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to even nod. I don't want you to blink your eye right now, okay? Do you struggle with materialism? And if I asked you to throw your hands up, every stinking hand should go up. We, we all do. Don't act like you don't. You say, no, not me. You're lying. It's church, okay? <laughs> when, when, I, when I travel, and I do a lot these days to serve church planters all over the country, folks will say, when they find out where I live, they'll say, Tim, hey, I'll just be honest with you. And that phrase has always been confusing to me because, like, we've been in a conversation for 30 minutes. Has everything you've said up till now been a lie? But that's a whole other thing. So, so they'll say, hey, Tim, you know, like, uh, like uh, hey, I'll be honest with you. I hear that Orange County, California is really materialistic. And I want to laugh because everybody struggles with materialism. I don't care if you live in a Midwest town like I grew up in Northwest Ohio on some farm or if you live on Rodeo Drive or you're in Elk Grove, California. Everybody struggles with it. All materialism is is a focus on the stuff of life or the comforts of life over and above spiritual values. And we all struggle with that. See, we, we think we make money. <clears throat> we think it's our stuff. And how do you break the grip of materialism? Here's how my wife and I do it. We regularly and generously give our finances away. And in my humanness, I'll be honest, I have absolutely no desire to do that whatsoever. Because I'm like you. I think it's mine. It's my money. Naturally, that's my focus, and you're no different. God has shown me, though, that because of his graciousness and his awesomeness, that he wants to work through me, so I regularly and generously give of our finances back to him. And you know what's so hilarious about materialism? Materialism begins where your income ends. Some of you will get that about Thursday, okay? <laughs> It'll make sense then. Let me unpack that for a second. It's like if someone drives the same car or the truck that you drive, then you don't think they're materialistic. But if they drive a better car, a nicer truck, then you drive, oh, 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 they struggle with materialism. <laughs> Isn't that true? Aren't we like that? Materialism is a funky thing. It's freaky. The best way to break it is to be generous. Now, the next reason, what I share with that high school kid that day, and I'm sharing with you all today, is I love to be generous because doing so is a way for me to express, express my love for the vision of the local church. 
I love the local church. I love it. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says in, in Matthew 16, 18. We, we look what it said. Jesus said, read it with me. Jesus said what? Let's all read it together. What's it say? Jesus said, I will build my Christian school. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Jesus said, I will build my university. No. Jesus said, I'll build my nonprofit. No. No, Jesus said, I will build my, say it. What does it say? My church. My church. The church is it. Jesus has taken away all the debate, all the guesswork. There are two things that will last forever, people and the church. So we have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to invest in eternity. So the question then becomes, how does Jesus build the church? Well, he gives us financial resources so that you and I can be a conduit so, we can, so he can pass it through us to the reaching and the growing up of others through and with and for his son Jesus. <clears throat> That's how God builds the church. And let me tell you, LifePoint Church, you may not know this, but this, this church is a total God thing. And in fact, so many of you are new, particularly over the season since the, the pandemic, right? I just want to tell, for some of you who don't know the story of this church, God has done some stuff at LifePoint Church that is just flat-out miraculous. LifePoint Church is 20 years old. This church, we met in a school for the first 10 years. And then 10 years ago, against all odds, LifePoint was able to get a lease on this building. And, and here's what so many of you don't know. At that time, LifePoint households and families generously gave so that the improvements could be done on what used to be a Harley Davidson store. You say, how do you know that, Tim? You live in Orange County. I ride Harleys with my wife. We take every July, put anywhere between eight and 12,000 miles on our bike. We would come by here, and all of a sudden, it wasn't a Harley store anymore. <laughs> and then, you know, in the years that followed, multiple TIs that happened so that, so that you could make new classrooms and, and, and expand the space. And many of you generously gave to that. And then, years later, you, you had the opportunity, the miraculous opportunity, to purchase this building along with an additional three acres. And LifePoint, so many of you, many of you are new, you don't know the story, but so many of you, you gave generously to make that possible. And get this, get that this church continues to grow and expand and reach people with the love of Jesus Christ. There were three baptisms. You should have looked up in the upstairs balcony, all the students and kids that came in to watch. I was weeping over there, watching what's taking place in and through this local church. And I'll tell you, based on the current growth trends, as I've been talking with Chris, and you continue to look to the future, man, the excitement here. There's going to be more services. You say, well, we're at three. Hey, I'll tell you right now, the Crossing Church that I founded, in I used to do eight services on a weekend at one point. So God's got some stuff in store, but you've seen miracles, but you haven't seen anything yet. Amen. And LifePoint, so many of you are generous to this, your local church. Well, the reason I give and the reason that I encourage all of you to generously give 
is your generosity allows LifePoint Church to continue to advance God's kingdom and reach and make more and better disciples. However, some of you, as you sit here listening to me today, maybe because you're new, maybe because you've just been around and you haven't bought in, you're not releasing. You're not giving a portion of what God has generously given to you back to this, your church, that serves you and provides for you. Well, then let me just say this. If that is you, then this church is not functioning to the extent that God would want it to be. Yeah, LifePoint's doing okay. You can see that by looking around. This is Super Bowl weekend. This is a low church-attended weekend. However, let me just say, if even one person isn't generously giving, then there's a part missing, and LifePoint can't be all that God wants it to be. Which leads me to the next reason why I share with that high school kid that day of why I generously give. I do so, I do so because doing so is for me and the kind of way I'm wired up, it's a one of a kind adventure. People would say to me when I was the pastor of the church that I founded for those 30 years, hey Tim, I I want to know God's working. I want to see God alive and moving in my life. How can that happen? And here's what I would always tell them. This is my stock answer. Number one, invest time in reading the Word of God, the Bible, and spend time with that talking to God through something called prayer. And then after that, I would always say these words, start being like God. And they would always look look at me like, what's that mean? I'd say, God is a giver. Begin by giving one dime of every dollar you make to your local church. It's one of the quickest ways to see God move in your life. And the reason you'll see God move in your life is because you're being most like God because God is a giver. Which leads me to the next reason. I told this high school kid that day, and it's, it's literally for me the most important reason of all. I generously give, give because doing so is a response to the one who gave his life for me. The one I've given my life to gives So it's not optional. It's not something that's even worthy of debate. I give, I'm generous, I let go. Why? Because God first gave. In fact, write this down. If you're not taking anything other notes, then write this down. Generosity is at the core of who God is. Every time I give, every time I give, I'm reflecting the character of God himself. See, I'm an attendee of a local church just like you. I don't have to give. I'm not manipulated to give. But just in the realm of money, can I just tell you this right now? I want to be such a generous person that I want to give my accountant and a person that helps me managing my money have heart palpitations. I'm serious. I want them, when we look at my taxes at this particular time, I want them to look at me and go, what do you mean? Why are you giving that much? I can't believe this is crazy. In fact, I would just tell you today, if you don't believe me, you can come up after the service out in the lobby. You just say, Tim, what do you make? I'll tell you exactly what I make. I won't pull any punches. I'll tell you what my wife makes, exactly what she makes. And if you want, I'll get your address, and I'll, I'll send to you my, what my giving statement is. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to be one of those preachers to say, do as I say and not as I do. And I did that for our church for 30 years. See, the world won't understand the generosity of those who know Jesus. But for me, this is about Jesus. 
Jesus and his big time surrendering for me. Hebrews, look at Hebrews 9, 28. It says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Jesus sacrificed all of himself. And all he asked for me is a portion. I want to do the same. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. And then everybody read the last sentence. It's a question out loud with me. Everybody read it out loud with me. What does it say? When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Once you own the answer to that question, once I realized what was accomplished for me, I can't wait to give. See, here's the reality. When it comes to my life and when it comes to your life, there are three things you can do with your life. You can waste your life. And there's a lot to waste your life on. You can spend your life. You can, you can spend it on your career. You can spend it on a hobby. You can spend it acquiring certain kinds of things and possessions. Or you can invest your life. And Jesus taught that the greatest use of your life is to invest your life in that which will outlast it. Look at Mark chapter 10. Look what it says. In Mark 10, Jesus said, Let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything. Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or property. For the love of me and to tell others the good news who won't be given back, read out loud the next four words. What's it say? Who won't be given back what? A hundred times over and shall have eternal life. He says, whatever you give up. He says, I'm, I'm going to restore it a hundredfold. That's 10,000% interest. So any of you here have an IRA, 401k, 403b, an investment account, savings account? How many of you? Raise your hand. You got something like that going on? Yeah. Let, let me ask you, how many of you have been making 10,000% interest on that? <laughs> now, sure, over the last January and over the last part of last year, it was going up. That's great. Okay, but 10,000%? You can't get this anywhere else. Hey, let me end this way. I was thinking a ton this week because of the Super Bowl, but I was thinking a ton this week because of Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. And just so you know, she did land last night late at LAX. Just letting y'all know. I was tracking her. Okay, okay. And can I just say this to you, LifePoint? There are some of you who are here today that you are a bigger deal than Taylor Swift. And you must know you are heroes to me. See, the difference between a hero and a celebrity is the difference between Mother Teresa and Taylor Swift, Billy Graham and Billie Eilish, Martin Luther King or Stephen King. One's just famous. The other has given of themselves for somebody else. It's the difference between Rosa Parks and Rihanna. One's a hero, one's a celebrity. What makes the difference between heroes and celebrities? Is it talent? No, both heroes and celebrities can have talent. Is it intelligence? No, both heroes and celebrities have intelligence. Is it persistence? No, both of them have persistence, right? The difference lies in how and why and what they give. There are a lot of people who make sacrifices for themselves. They will sacrifice for personal gain. They will sacrifice for their own goals. They will sacrifice to build a great company or be a great musician or an incredible athlete. A lot of people will make sacrifices, but they do it for their own self-centered, self-focused benefit. What makes a hero? A hero gives for the benefit of other people. That's the difference between a celebrity and a hero. 
And some of you indeed are heroes here at LifePoint Church because of what you willingly and consistently and faithfully release back to this your church. But can I challenge the other percent of you who are not giving, releasing? Wouldn't it be cool if every one of us here today, it could be said of us, we are the heroes of this church because every one of us who makes an income, we willingly give back one dime of every dollar generously, consistently, and faithfully to God's work in and through this church to reach boys and girls and teenagers and men and women with the good news of Jesus Christ. So how about it? 100% heroes today. I hope that'll be you. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.